Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Snippet. The short podcast platform. Hello, my friend, and welcome to The Closet Space. My name is Vic Ravindran, and I have been gay my whole fucking life. But I didn't say so for 20 years. And I'm far from the only one who has kept a part of themselves hidden away for so long. So every week, I talk to amazing individuals who have come out of the closet in some form or another, whether they're part of the LGBTQIA community, or even if they've come out of closets we don't often talk about, like having an invisible disability, or simply leaving their way of life behind. Hopefully these conversations will serve as a joyful reminder that there is an abundant world of opportunity beyond the closet door for those prepared to open it. And for those of you who aren't quite ready yet, I hope this show is a sign that there are so many people who are excited to meet you when you do make that choice. This week, I'm super excited to talk to my guest about his coming out journey and the roads it has let him down because they eventually lead to my apartment. My guest today is my roommate, Forrest Martin. After living with straight men for nearly seven years, Forrest was a welcome change that helped me to emphasize the home in homosexual. Now, having survived a pandemic together, I'm lucky to be able to share his story with all of you. You could call his story a fairy tale, but he's not one for magical thinking. Without further ado, my conversation with Forrest. Hi, Forrest. Thank you so much for taking the long journey across the hallway to join me on the Closet Space oh podcast. My gosh, my pleasure. I'm such a big fan. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller or walker in. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. Uh, for those who don't know, Forrest is my roommate of almost two years now. And three, even over three. Yeah. Oh, my God. Obviously, very glad to be able to share this time with you, because although we have plenty of time to watch TV together, we don't often share our coming out journey experience. And you're one of my few gay roommates that I've had in my life. So I'm I love to be able to share that kind of bond that we have. So, yeah, let's just dive right into it. When and where did you kind of begin your coming out journey? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, technically, well, I, I grew up in New Jersey, um, but when I was 14, I moved to Colorado, and I would say that's where it began, in Evergreen, Colorado. Going to high school there, small, small mountain high school with cowboys and Mr. Garrison as my psychology teacher, it was much more of a personal awakening it was the first gay people that I met were in that school um, and uh, it basically took uh, meeting a, a senior when I was a sophomore I guess I came in as a sophomore um, who was openly bisexual and I, I was already intrigued by him and interested um, and kind of just he seemed like a phenomenon as somebody I felt like I wanted to be friends with. And then it turned out that it was also a known fact that he was bisexual. And so him, he was, I mean, it was that relationship. Stephen was, was the guy's name and 
he was overtly flirtatious with me and um but i think it got to a point where i i would have had to be a, a much better liar <laughs> i would have had to be much better at self-deception to even avoid it so um yeah it really took modeling i, I think yeah i definitely think it's hard to be or become something that you are completely unaware of or to know or to kind of take the risk at becoming something that you've never seen before. So how did you eventually find the courage to put it into words? How did you eventually um, take those feelings, those thoughts that you were having? How did it eventually translate into opening the door? How did coming out of the closet, how did that, how did it translate for you? I wanted to, I wanted to be around him and um, uh, I became good friends with um, a girl, um, who was actually involved with him frequently and he was kind of obsessed with her. Um, and that became a real bonding point for, for the two of us. And I loved talking to her about her feelings for Steven and Steven's feelings for her. And eventually she was, I guess the first person that I, that I told. How was that experience for you? What was it like to be able to tell someone for the first time? She was quite nice about it she was quite uh warm about it at first um but she also came from a religious family and there were times later down the line where she would express her concern for me um for my soul going to hell nobody likes people who tell you that you're going to go to hell well you've had many chapters uh in your coming out experience i think uh we several people will go through stages and phases of discovery as they kind of choose to explore themselves more. Uh, and something that you shared with me, uh, an experience that you've had um, later after your initial coming out experience was uh, spending time with radical gay fairies. Um, and I had never heard of that when you brought it up. Uh, but do you want to kind of just uh, share what that is and what that experience is about and what it's, what that was for you? Yeah. In my, in my twenties, I guess, well, 19 was when I first went to Short Mountain Sanctuary, um, which is the, it's kind of like the mothership of the fairy communities in my mind. You know, it's in very rural Tennessee. It used to be owned, it used to just be a regular old hippie commune. And uh, and then the fairies bought it. I'm not sure quite how that happened, but they've been on it ever since. And, and that whole area has just like evolved into like a little gayborhood of you know there's there's people who live on short mountain itself and then there's people have been drawn by gatherings that happen twice a year over the years um just want to live in the neighborhood but don't want to be on the community itself um you know there's over two thousand landlocked acres um i would say there's hundreds of queers in that neighborhood now in that general area a few small offshoot communities some little farms I lived in the neighbor I ended up living in the neighborhood in my late 20s so I first visited when I was 19 and I guess moved to the neighborhood when I was like 26 and lived there for three years um yeah so what's it like when you kind of first arrive what can one experience uh or what would one expect on day one of living your life <laughs> as a radical gay fairy? I mean, it's just it's just really rural. It's it simplest. It's rural communal living. Um, it's in a poor county and a poor state um, on one of the last 
county maintains non-paved roads. Um, so everything's very ramshackle and um, kind of like country-worn old barns and um, lots of people like making their own structures in the woods. And some of them are really amazing, like kind of whimsical hobbity houses. Um, some of them are like, you know, entirely solar powered or cob structures. And, you know, there's a whole variety of, of stuff. There's a huge variety of people who are drawn to the area. And so what is the purpose of those gatherings? What, why do the, the, why are fairies drawn together and what do they do together? Yeah. It's kind of like a queer, I describe it as like a queer back to the land movement really, but also definitely infused with a lot of pagan beliefs and, uh, these gatherings that that I, that I mentioned that happen twice a year, the May Day gathering and the Samhain, the May Day gathering, which happens on May 1st, um, or the weeks around May 1st, um, and the Samhain gathering, which happens basically around Halloween. Um, but, you, you know, they're very ritualized, and there's a lot of traditions, I guess, within that have, like, evolved in, um, through the fairy community through gatherings over the years, and I think that's I think that's what draws people really. We'll be right back with more from the closet space. Welcome back to the closet space. My conversation with Forrest Martin continues. For me, when you first talked about the idea of radical gay fairies, in my mind, when I picture myself growing up in conservative Orange County, and I. I'd imagine like the next closest gay person is like a thousand miles away or something. The idea of you being able to live in this like queer, all queer community was like mind blowing to me. I was like, Oh my God, like it must be such a magical experience. But I've also talked to you a little bit more about this experience now. And I know it's something that you've had, you know, some positive experiences with, but you know, it's not something that you have walked away from, uh, feeling, uh, over the moon about is basically you, it's not something that you have very positive feelings about in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. But can we talk about some of those positive things and then we can, let's talk about some of those things about how you feel about it now. Yeah. This was, this was my first real foray into like having gay friendships um, and sex and really like exploring myself as a sexual being so i think you know with all the intensity that that brings you know the gatherings were always tumultuous and always super up and down you know i can't think of a single gathering i've been to that i didn't want to leave at some point or feel just tortured by but then like kind of feel grateful at the end that i you know pushed myself and exposed myself to all that hard stuff or you know I guess something that I come back to a lot is there was a steward of the land. He called it the land of many permissions. And I think of the fairies as like the people of many permissions. And I think of like, it's, it's about experimentation and, um, you know, trying new things and pushing your boundaries and learning more about yourself. All of that stuff is ostensibly wrapped into what it is to be a fairy. Um, but it's also just supremely unregulated and completely dark. You know, it's like, um, and I don't mean dark in terms of like 
it's a dark and evil. I just mean dark, like unlooked at. Like it's, um, you know, it, it's it's no better or worse than probably any other organization. Um, but it just likes to think of itself as not an organization, but it actually definitely is. And um, there's a lot of beliefs involved in being a fairy and there's a lot of mysticism. Um, and I think essentially I just realized that I'm not a mystic of any sort. And um, I don't really, I'm not very attracted to magical thinking. And I think that, um, that is a pretty fundamental principle of being a radical fairy um, is like some degree of buying into magical thinking. Um, and so that is probably, you know, the thing that I'm the least interested in. And there's a, there's a lot of messiness and um, kind of behaviors that like really went too unchecked by, by communities of people um, that um, that kind of bums me out um, that I think there's just a lot of situations where it just feels like there's, there's no adults in the room. Um, but that's also just a reality of, of life too. So how did you, how did you leave that community behind and then how did it transition to where you are now, which is this apartment? So, yeah, I eventually left because I think I just future forecasted. I was just like, well, it's very easy to be here. Um, I could just stay here. I'm learning. I'm teaching myself graphic design. No one's asking me to pay any rent. I'm, um, you know, doing various odd jobs to sustain myself. Um, but um, I think I just kind of looked around and thought, like, I don't want this to, I don't want to feel trapped here. I don't want this to be my only option. And I looked around and I felt like I saw a fair amount of people who were in a position where that had become their only option. Um, and I wanted to avoid that for myself. Um, and so I wanted to move somewhere and figure out how to make a career for myself. I'd never, and I figured I would do that in Portland cause that's where I had the most friends from college. Um, so, yeah, I really just kind of decided that I needed to be able to support myself and support myself decently, like, because no one else was going to take care of me. So now that you have kind of come into your own uh, as a gay man without an organization behind him, or how, how do you... Unsponsored. Unsponsored, yeah. I, I don't know. How, you, how do you make it through life without a sponsor? But now that you are a gay man kind of flying solo. You don't, you're not necessarily relying on it, that larger community. Um, even though you're obviously a part of the LA community here, uh, you got a great gay roommate. I've heard good things. Oh, yeah. uh, but how do you now express yourself as a gay man, as an individual uh, who just kind of uh, out and proud and do his, his own thing without kind of tying himself to a larger idea? Yeah. Um, I think it's a good question, but I, I think it's also just tied to the times. I think it's just like, you know, there was there was a time where that was kind of the best option for me um, from what I saw around me. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably other people's best option right now. I'm, it's 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 good for what it's good for. I don't know. You know, it's like I, I, I'm not saying that it's like a terrible thing and everyone should steer clear. It's just for me, it's it's not it was not a long term 
Um, it wasn't a long-term lifestyle or a long-term option, um, but it was like a stop on the way to discovering gay community, really. And it was really my first example of gay community. So um, I'm, I'm grateful to it for that. Um, but I just think that fortunately the times have changed politically. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's just nice not to have the need for a big umbrella. Gay community is fundamental. Um, and you know, people find that in all sorts of different spots. Um, but I'm just grateful not to have to look in a particular spot. I just feel like I don't really have to look in a particular spot now. It's just kind of around me. <laughs> It seems like you're constantly yourself. Uh, and that's something that I feel like people are constantly striving towards, especially if they're in the closet currently or just at any point. If you're, if you're, because coming out is a long journey, as you've already mentioned. Um, it, it's, it doesn't just stop uh, when you open the door. Um, it is a long journey about finding yourself and identifying yourself and being able to express yourself. Um, and I think queer people are very lucky to be able to um, have to be forced to reckon with those thoughts. But I do think, again, just, turning it back on you, just, uh, you are such an individual. And I appreciate that even though that community was such an important thing to you, um, that you did not, or were not super willing to lose your identity to become a part of it. And something that I was going to ask was what are your thoughts about, uh, or what would, what would you say to younger kids right now who might be in the closet or who are just, just kind of finding their way out about, um, that immediate draw um, to might to possibly change yourself to fit into uh, the gay community or whatever community you're trying you want to be a part of. Well, thank you. Um, I it's always been important to me to explore um, and I guess to make the world bigger, the worlds that I grew up in, and uh, just to make the world bigger. And that's why I ultimately have ended up in a city, I think, is because I just want to keep making the world bigger. And I think a lot of people want to make the world smaller or make their world smaller. Um, initially, I think you asked, like, you know, if I had any advice for young people who are coming out or, you know, like, or playing with identity or thinking about their identity or something. And I guess I just don't know what coming out means these days um, because there's so much more representation around. So I, d I just feel like like the wealth of representation, even if it's just online, uh, um, you know, it just, it's just so different. And that so, because that makes me feel just so good for society and the, you know, just the, the future generations of um, queer people just like, the levels of self-acceptance that are available through like not having to be as deeply in the closet. Um, so I imagine that the depth of these closets are less or shallower maybe these days. I'm hoping. Yeah. They, but, don't, big, they yeah. don't build big closets nowadays. Yeah. Finding your people. That's, I guess that's what most of us are doing. Well, I'm glad I'm one of your people. I'm glad that you are one of mine. I'm, I'm glad, glad you live right across the hallway so I can bother you whenever I'd like. And I'm so glad that you joined me here on the Closet Space podcast and to share your story, to share your experiences. And I'm hoping that my many, many listeners uh, took away some valuable lessons. <laughs>
Uh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be living here with you too, and so glad to be in your closet with you. Speaking more in depth with Forrest about his experience with the radical gay fairies is something I've always wanted to do. And while he painted a vivid picture of what his life looked like in that community, I think he painted a clearer portrait of himself, an individual open to change and exploration, but anchored by a steadfast personal compass. Recently, Forrest became the target of the right-wing online mob after he was the only person at a Wii Spa in Los Angeles to speak up against a woman harassing employees after encountering a trans individual in the women's changing area. He was inundated with hate messages from homophobes and transphobes across the country who are an unfortunate reminder of how much progress is left to make. So, if you happen to come across Forrest on social media, I hope you show him some love. I've taken to calling him a local queer hero whenever we're watching Golden Girls or Ugly Betty, which is most nights. And if you're looking for a way to unwind or have a new kind of sensory experience, check out his new ASMR channel on YouTube, ASMR for Rest. It's super duper relaxing. Until next time, I'm Vic Ravindran, and thank you so much for joining me in the closet space.